Welcome to Jiri Snacks, snackable episodes about the Jiri exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, founder of Achievable, and our affordable $199 Jiri course includes everything you need to ace your Jiri. A full textbook, tons of Jiri questions backed by our memory-enhancing algorithm, and full-length practice exams. You can try it out for free at achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast will get you $20 off at checkout. And also, if you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss in a future episode, please contact Tyler at tyler at achievable.me with the subject line podcast topic. Now, let's get started. Today, I'm really excited to have on the founders of Test Crackers, Yuri and Seth. If you guys want to introduce yourselves and say hello. Hey, I'm Yuri Gottesman. And I'm Seth. A little about Test Crackers. Uh, for about a decade now, we've been running small group courses, mostly for the GMAT and GRE. They're live online and in person in the, if you're in the Bay Area. And uh, we really feel like that interactive approach with a expert instructor gets you the most support you need to get the score you want. If you're interested, give us a call, 415-323-5728, or visit our website at testcrackers.org. Great. Thanks, Seth, and thanks, Yuri. I'm really excited to have you guys on. And so now uh, the first topic you guys wanted to cover I think is really fun, which is which is better, <laughs> the Jiri quant and the Jiri verbal? And there's kind of like, there's layers or nuances to better, right? There's just like, what's more fun? Maybe what's easier? What's more useful in real life? Or just straight up, like, what if, taking it all together, what do you think is the best one? So, yeah, take it away, guys. Which of you wants to go first on your argument? Sounds like me. Um, I'm, g- I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and put my cards on the table. The verbal section's better. Got a lot behind this, and uh, I think you'll probably come away agreeing with me on it. Um, in part because as you get to know Yuri better, better, you'll see that he's wrong about most everything, and so uh, his <laughs> his belief in the quant section alone is enough to know it's probably verbal. <laughs> All right. So do you have? Do you want to like start out? What's your opening argument for this then, Seth? You know, I mean, I think I think the best case for the verbal is really just that this is a real life skill. This is something that involves reading and understanding information and using logic to think about the validity of arguments and uh, to kind of poke holes in things. That's the kind of thing that basically all of us need to do at some point in life. And, um, you know, whereas math, maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah, it depends on your life, I guess. That, that's true. And, I, you know, let's, let me give a caveat. If you want to teach GRE quant courses, then the GRE quant section is much better prepped for that. <laughs> All right, Yuri, what's your, what's your first rebuttal then? Seth uh, makes a great point uh, uh, about real-life applicability of these sections, and I will uh, say this. Uh, a, a single GRE quant question saved my life. And uh, so I, I don't know of any better argument uh, than the GRE quant actually saved my life than, you know, maybe you could use some vocab words to impress a boss or something. Uh, but uh, uh, w- would you like to know how, how it saved my life? I'm curious. Well, yeah, definitely. This is a true story. In uh, graduate school in Boston, Massachusetts, I was waiting for the uh, tea uh, uh, train, and uh, uh, some a bunch of uh, teenagers, it seemed like it was about seven or eight, but it might have been three or four, approached me and started beating me up and uh i uh 
I was able to get away really uh, uh, briefly, um, and they had taken my backpack, and I was unsure of what they wanted from me. I think I, I, I didn't understand that they probably wanted my wallet, but I just couldn't think of it in the, in the moment. So I was able to run away, and I ran out of the tea station, and they were following me. And I started running down this street and, uh, I, you know, I was 27 at the time and not in great shape. And these were teenagers and they were, I knew they were really, really fast. And so I, it was a matter of time before they were going to catch up to me. So I was uh, down the street and there was like a bunch of old warehouses. And, uh, I started trying to open the doors to the warehouse to try to escape and each one I tried to open was locked until I found one warehouse door that opened. And I opened it, and then I shut the door, and I looked for a lock. No lock. There's no way for me to close this door. And I looked around me, and I, I was figuring at this point there was probably about 30 seconds uh, of time before these teenagers would enter this warehouse. And I looked around, and there was a bunch of broken old musical instruments and i think that maybe it had been like a guitar shop or something uh uh, before it went out of business Uh, and i was looking for something to kind of put against the door so that these teenagers wouldn't come in and uh, i saw two musical instruments one was a zither that was rectangular shaped and another was a triangle like a percussion instrument that you, you know, click with, uh, hit with a hammer. Mm-hmm. In that moment, I thought of a GRE quant official question that asks you, it's a quantitative comparison problem, that asks you to compare the area of a parallelogram where you don't know the angles to a known quantity. I believe it was the number 50. And the key to this question, I was thinking at the time, was that if you don't know the angles of a parallelogram, you can't figure out the height because you can kind of crush the sides down, even with fixed lengths, so that a parallelogram is very fungible um, if you don't know the angles. In fact, you can crush the top of a parallelogram down so that it's almost at the ground. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the minimum area of a parallelogram is just a hair above zero because the height can be just a hair above zero. My other option was this triangle. And the one thing I knew from about triangles from studying the GRE, uh, of course, now I know a few more things about triangles, but at the time I only knew one thing about triangles, and that is that triangles are the only polygon that are rigid. And what that means is that if you have fixed lengths in a triangle, you can only make one triangle uh, of that uh, with very specific, with specific angles. So you can't mm-hmm. funge a triangle in any other way in a ways where you could funge a parallelogram. So I thought, well, that must make the triangle much more uh, uh, difficult to break. And I later found out that that's why architecture uses so many triangles, because they are very difficult to break. So now I was down to three seconds left, 
and I chose the triangle rather than the zither, and I, I put the triangle underneath the door. The door uh, uh, stayed closed. The teenagers came, started banging on the door, trying to get into the old warehouse. They couldn't get in. They tried for about 45 seconds. That triangle didn't break, and then they left. My life was saved by a GRE clock question. Wow. Yeah, that's really, that's crazy. Sorry, go ahead, Seth. That, I mean, yeah, that, you know, I've known Yuri for a while and I had not heard this before, but I do have a lot of corroborating facts that convince me. Um, even though Yuri generally is not a trustworthy source of information, I think this story sounds pretty legitimate and it probably did happen to him. And, I, and I'm sorry to hear that. It sounds like a rough situation. You know, I, I don't know if people really need me to point this out, but there are several opportunities where strong verbal reasoning skills could have avoided this problem much earlier in the process. Um, but, you know, I, I'd still, I'm glad that in the moment he was able to save himself with a triangle. I'd also like to point out, you know, what's great about this story for the rest of us is that if you're ever in that situation, you now know just use a triangle and, and you don't need the GRE quant section to get you there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what if there are different shapes available to you? <laughs> well, you know, it's that's like if you're on a game show almost. The thing about hypotheticals, Yuri, is that they multiply. Probabilities multiply. And that's something I admit I know from these tests as well. But so the chances of being in that situation times the chances of having a set of instruments of different shapes uh, times the chances of none of them being triangles. Wow, that's we're getting out there. Um, I want to make another point about this, though, uh, because in general... The, the fact that Yuri had a somewhat far-fetched example to try and describe the utility of the GRE quant section off the GRE quant section is not coincidental. This is something I've noticed about this uh, exam. I, I don't know about the rest of you, but uh, I have been waiting my whole life for an opportunity where I need to figure out how long it'll take Matthew and Th Susan working together to build 500 widgets. This is just not something that seems to come up for me um, and maybe not for the rest of you. That's just not the case. I have to read things and understand them every day of my life. It's a much more useful section. Speaking of usefulness, Jerry Quant section has saved me $1.5 million. 20 years ago, this is true, 20 years ago, I started studying the GRE. At about the same time, mm -hmm. I turned old enough to play the Powerball lottery. And so I started studying the GRE and I got into probability and I determined that as many people know, the chances of winning the Powerball are about one in 290 million. Well, a Powerball ticket mm -hmm. costs $2. So in order for the Powerball ticket to be worth $2, the winnings have to be $580 million. It's only happened a handful of time in the last 20 years. Every time it has happened, I've played $200 worth of, of lottery tickets. Every time it hasn't happened because of the GRE, I have not played the Powerball and therefore saved $200 every single day. So for the past 20 years, I've saved $200 a day, 365 days a year, by 20 years, only four times have I spent $200 because that's when it's been worth it to play uh, the Powerball. And so I have saved $1.46 million 
over the last 20 years. Thank you, GRE quant section. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> so Tyler, how much, ahead, have, how much have you spent on Powerball over the, the last uh, same time period? Uh, zero, but I also am, I've had zero chance of winning, I guess, you, if you're playing devil's advocate. <laughs> you know, I had a college uh, statistics professor who liked to prove the point that your chances of winning Powerball don't change when you buy a ticket as long as you cut yourself off at like three or four decimal points for statistical you know, significance <laughs> that like basically it's zero either way. Um, but uh, again, well, I'm, I'm slipping into trying to give credibility to math. I'd like to point out that without any real math, I've also like Tyler similarly saved a, a comparable amount to Yuri. So, you know, he's not really ahead of us despite all this math. I mean, I thought he was about to say that he won the Powerball. Like um, if you guys have seen that recent movie, I'm trying to remember the name, but there's some movie that just came out about these people that like accidentally rigged a state lottery. I think it was the Massachusetts state lottery and like won a ton of money. Yeah, no, I, I um, saw that. I'm going to go look it up movie. and come back. I don't remember the name of it, but it, you're right. There's definitely a movie about that. Um, and, you know, I mean, that goes to another of my points in terms of which is more fun. Uh, there aren't a lot of things like that. It's It's a bit of the exception to demonstrate the rule. Math is not a real like pop culture subject that that tends to build a lot of hits, um, and and I mean just in general I was thinking about this. Uh, I, you know I have a daughter and just yesterday I took her to the library to get some books. There are these institutions in virtually every city in this country where you can go and get books out, and there are people there getting books because people find reading a pleasurable activity that they choose to do in their free time. Um, similarly, I would say some people find math fun. Oh yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm sure they do, but you know, statistically not to really get into math here. I think it's a smaller number. The existence of bookstores in, you know, malls and, and, uh, shopping plazas around the country. Once again, there are a lot of people spending money on books for a leisure activity for fun in a way that I don't really see happening with, with math. Um, the market for sort of leisure math is, is pretty limited. Well, so I would I would actually debate that a little bit. Um, by the way, the movie about the lotto is called Jerry and Marge Go Large. Uh, I unofficially liked it. I would give it a B plus if, if you're listening and curious, want a feel good movie. Um, but yeah, I I think that maybe just expanding the definition of what is a math or logic based entertainment experience would probably yield some different results, right? Because if you think about, I don't know. I would argue at least like a third, if not way higher, of video games are like math or logic or reasoning based. Well, hold right? on a like minute. You, you can't steal logic and reasoning and put those in the math side of the equation here. It's called the verbal reasoning section of the, the exam. It uh, very much tests logic. So <laughs> it's, it's only when we're limited to numbers that you're in a territory that solely belongs on the quant side. Sure. Yeah, I would I would say then maybe it's smaller, but there are definitely video <laughs> games that are very numbers based. My uh my friends and I have been playing a game called Factorio that is basically just a number crunching game. <laughs> Shows you how cool and fun I am in my in my spare time. Um, but yeah, you were gonna say something too, Yuri. Well, I think in terms of uh, enjoyment and pleasure, I. I concede that Seth has a point. There are a lot of libraries with books, not a lot of libraries with purely math. Uh, um, however, libraries do have math books, and 
I would say that if you are comparing the amount of fun that people have reading versus the amount of fun people have uh, doing mathematics, there's two ways of computing that. One is number of people that enjoy those things, and which you probably have that one, Seth, I would say. Uh, another is the amount of enjoyment that it, per individual. And that I think that the, that the GRE math uh, wins out on. Math people <laughs> like myself, uh, uh, sometimes people call them nerds, have an incredible joy uh, when dealing with numbers that I think supersedes the joy that someone gets by reading some old history book. And, and so if you think about the level of joy, then Jerry Math wins again. That's an interesting point. You know, I, I'd forgotten about the fact that math people are so well known for their deep joy and, and exuberant lifestyle. But uh, I, I do want to bring up the fact that the verbal section has another component besides reading. Um, there's also the vocab component. And admittedly, not everybody's favorite thing to study vocab, but follow my chain here. Basically, vocab is memorization. And memorization is something that many people can and do enjoy and do for fun. A lot of the best ways to study the verbal section, to study the vocab, is through using games and kind of uh, mnemonic things that can become a very social interaction um, and, you know, can, can bring in others. I've had countless students who have said, you know, it's crazy. I've got my, and it's, you know, neighbor, boyfriend, boss, sister, parent, someone, to start studying this stuff with me, even though they're not actually taking the test. You know, they just, they got into the fun of studying this vocab with me and it's become something that we do together. Uh, again, a smaller proportion of students in my experience are able to do that with math. I've not had a lot of students be like, yeah, my boss got really into helping study math with me while I studied this. That may be true. However, <laughs> <laughs> here's the part of the podcast where I try to think of a rebuttal. Uh, uh, however, because math is so much more difficult than, uh, uh, than memorizing vocab words, the level of connection that is formed between people who are studying together is so much deeper because they are through struggle comes love. And, and so often in my class, people have met and formed lifelong partnerships because they have struggled through math together. And in that struggle, they have found real kinship. I don't think anyone's done that by memorizing the, the meaning of uh, weird uh, vocab words. You know, approximately <laughs> three quarters of my previous students are now in committed relationships with one another. It's it's basically you know. Now I think you're now we're starting to get away from the truth. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> Seth, you need to I, study I said math. approximately. I said study approximately math a little bit more because I think you're uh, you are <laughs> a misunderstanding and an a <laughs> the word approximately <laughs> and misunderstanding the fraction three over four. Well, you know. <laughs> Uh, math, math, math. Uh, perhaps you've got something there. You know, I uh, it's interesting, though, that Yuri thinks math is harder than the verbal section. Um, it, so let that be a warning to those of you studying with him. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I would definitely make the case that math is considerably easier than the verbal section. And, and this is a sincere point. Um, the, my reasoning is that there are right answers to math problems. 
there's definitive things that are solvable, right? At the end of the day, there are some number of widgets that these people can build together in six hours. And if you just do the right math, you can get to that. Verbal is always this weird gray area where you have to be saying, huh, I don't know. There's, is this the best answer? Is this the worst answer? Where does it fall in relation to the others? And that comparative skill, I think, is, is much more real life for one, but is also much more challenging, much more nuanced. Not a lot of nuance in quant, just math. But how satisfying is it when you get a math question right and you know 100% sure that you are correct? Uh, whereas a verbal uh, <laughs> answer, as far as I know, if you get it right, someone else could come up with an answer and have an argument why that answer might be better. That's true. Although, yeah. again, I think there's false confidence possible in both. Um, I'm not really familiar with getting math questions right, so I don't really know what that looks like. <laughs> uh, as a note, that is what we call not true. <laughs> That's so funny. Yuri's worried about my potential to teach people math from my character here. I'm playing somebody who doesn't like math. It's, it's acting. Yeah. This, uh, you guys uh, You guys want to do closing arguments? <laughs> you want to wrap up on, on this one? Oh, sure, sure, I'll go. My closing argument is the uh, Jiri quant section is uh, clearly better in part because I wouldn't exist if it weren't for the Jiri quant uh, as, in, as today, currently in my life form, uh, but also because uh, quant is so much more fun. Uh, ask the MIT students who uh, won millions of dollars counting cards in Vegas uh, using only mathematics that they probably learned from the GRE, but I can't be 100% certain of that, uh, uh, how much fun they had uh, winning millions of dollars from Vegas casinos, or ask uh, many of our students who routinely enjoy uh, learning the quant section, but always complain about the verbal section. <laughs> All right, and then Seth, closing argument. Sure. I, I think Yuri has a warped perspective because I do think Yuri takes an unusual amount of joy out of math and his students by extension do as well. But I, I think that any sort of objective truth is, is sort of lost in, in that uh, kind of unique perspective he brings to this. You know, here's my case for the verbal section. Basically, reading comprehension and verbal reasoning is about communication. And communication is one of the most important fundamental human skills in and out of the workplace. Reading, comprehension, understanding the information you are presented with and criti critiquing it makes you a much better employee, makes you much better in an academic setting, and makes you better in relationships. It makes you a better partner for anyone you're involved with in a way that I don't think math does. When your partner comes at you and starts talking about a bunch of math, I don't think that's good for your relationship in the way that good, clear communication is. Um, I can attest that you're correct about that. <laughs> reading comprehension has saved me an incredible amount of money through, and I could tell a long story about how I got out of a contract with a gym that it was closing down because I read the fine print carefully in that contract. Reading comprehension in the recent uh, Leonardo DiCaprio film, Don't Look Up, could have saved the planet from an impending doom from a comet. People didn't take seriously these reports of catastrophe because they just didn't understand well enough in a way that the GRE verbal section could have prepared them to. And obviously that's a fictional film, but it's like an allegory for climate change and that's real and people could understand that better and take action more seriously if they understood reading comprehension better. So, you know, basically I think the fate of humanity rests 
in the hands of reading comprehension, and uh, we should all take it with the seriousness that that um, implies we should. All right. Thanks, guys. And so whether you are on the run <laughs> from muggers or trying to save the planet, hopefully the GRE is useful to you. Uh, this has been GRE Snacks, hosted by Tyler from Achievable. You can try our GRE course for free at achievable.me and use the code podcast to get 10% off at checkout.